You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hope you're doing well. We are in part three of our series, Detours, walking through the life of Joseph. If you haven't been with us up to this point, you can catch the previous two sermons uh, on part one and part two of this. So head back, listen to those, and then come and join us for this part three. Up to this point, we have heard about Joseph being his father's favorite, uh, his brothers being really uh, jealous of that and letting envy take over. They end up selling him into slavery. He ends up going to Potiphar's house, who's the head of the captain of the guards, and he gets a role of prominence in the house. Potiphar sees that God is with him, and Joseph gets put in charge of everything. It says that Potiphar does not con- Potiphar does not concern himself with anything in his own home except what he's eating, um, and so Joseph has this this position of prominence. But then Potiphar's wife notices that Joseph is handsome and well-built. That's what scripture says. I'm not just making that assumption. And she tries to sleep with him. And he says no, so he runs away, but she accuses him of trying to sleep with her. Potiphar throws him into prison, and that's where we find ourselves. And and this week, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 40 and 41. We're going to cover two full chapters of scripture. Don't worry. I'm going to spark notes a lot of it. We won't walk through every single uh, verse. But where we find ourselves is Joseph in prison. And what we read last week was that Joseph gets in prison and the head of prison realizes that God is with him and puts him in charge of a lot of things in the prison as well. So there is a theme here. So where we're going to find ourselves, Genesis chapter 40, verses six through eight, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker are sent to prison. They offend Pharaoh in some way. And Joseph is in charge of these two men. They are two prisoners under his care. So Genesis chapter 40, Verses six through eight. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they looked distraught. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We had dreams, they said to him, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, don't interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. So the first point this week is that Joseph made the most of his situation. We touched on this a little bit last week, but it's important to start with the recognition of what Joseph's posture could have been versus what Joseph's posture was. We know that that God was with Joseph, but just like it is for us today, relationship with God is a two-way street. God presented the opportunity for Joseph to have a position of influence, but Joseph had to capitalize on that opportunity. He had to be someone who was looking for the will of God. It's a reminder to us today that we have to also be actively seeking the Lord and his will for our lives. That means seeking the Lord and his will for our lives as a whole— and the calling that he's placed on them. But it also means that in individual situations, we would look for what God is trying to do. Uh, we might feel like God has, has some big things that he's called us to. And I'm sure that that is true. But if we're not actively seeking that, if we're just sitting in our parents' basement with a two liter and a hot and ready, that's not seeking the will of God. That is being lazy. What we need to do is be people who are actively putting ourselves in position to watch God work. We're not just going to say, God, just do the thing and and help me be influential and help me make a difference, but I'm not going to play a part in that at all. We, this is participatory. Like We have to be people who understand that God will provide opportunities, but we have to take advantage of those opportunities. And Joseph did that at every turn, that when opportunity arised, he was faithful to who God called him to be, and that placed him in positions that he would not have been in if he was just mop- moping and sulking in his current circumstance. Now, for 
some of us, as with Joseph, our situation is not because of any kind of laziness, and yet we can still get stuck in the unfortunate fi- uh, unfortunate places we find ourselves. We can just we can get sulky and and we can be sad about the situations that we're in and not look towards what could be. What we have to understand as followers of Jesus is that we are people who are always looking for what God is trying to do. See, Joseph made the most of where he found himself. We need to do the same. We need to make the most of where we find ourselves, no matter where that is. Also, this passage makes it really apparent that he was not just focused on himself. The next point is this. Joseph cared for those entrusted to him. Joseph cared for those entrusted to him. It seems insignificant, but I think it is important that we see that Joseph stopped and recognized the situation that these two men found themselves in. He stops, he sees these two men, and he says, why are you sad? Why are you distraught? You see, a big part of following Jesus is being able to step out of our own individual situation and be aware of what is going on in the lives of other people. Being empathetic, having empathy, leaning into people's stories, listening to where they're at. Part of being the hands and feet of Jesus is meeting people right where they are at. And part of being human is being in need of others to do the same, right? We need people to step into our situations just like we need to step into other people's situations. Joseph was in charge of these two prisoners and he could have been cold and he could have been distant and he probably knew that they were the chief cupbearer and the chief baker and they had some position of influence in the court of Pharaoh that they were living these lifestyles that were probably good and and they had all the things that they could ever need and the food and all those things meanwhile he's stuck in prison they get put in prison he could have been like bitter and been like yeah you deserve to be here like you're a part of this this empire you you, this that and the other and made any kind of excuse to be cold and distant but instead he steps towards them he leans in what's going on oh we had these dreams we're a little bit distraught about him well don't interpretations belong to god tell me your dreams talk to me lean in let me listen that's really important for us today that we would be people who listen to those around us so joseph interprets the dreams he he hears the cupbearer's dream he gives them this this really good outcome he says you're going to be restored to your position and then the baker hears that it's this really good uh outcome for the cupbearer so he's like this is my dream and unfortunately joseph says yeah you're going to be executed in three days so he interprets both of their dreams In the middle of those interpretations, Joseph says this to the cupbearer in chapter 40, verse 14. He says, but when all goes well for you, remember that I was with you. Please show kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Get me out of this prison. Here's here's what we need to know is that you can learn in your season without loving your season. You can learn in your season without loving your season. Joseph absolutely made the most of it, but that doesn't mean that he was happy with it. We do not have to be happy about the valley. We do not have to be happy about the pain, but we can appreciate it for the lessons that it provides. The reality is is that life sucks sometimes. Life sucks sometimes. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. Part of the brokenness of this world is that life is not always going to be what we want it to be. But just because we can be honest about that, just because we can recognize that and identify that doesn't mean that we have to get stuck in it. We can say life sucks, but if we are tethered to Jesus, we can have a perspective that moves us beyond the present and into the promise. Let me say that again. We can have perspective that moves us beyond the present 
and into the promise. And the promise is that, yeah, in this world, we're going to have trials of many kinds. But the promise is that he has overcome the world. That everything, and I mean everything, will be made right in time. Every situation and every season provide the opportunity to learn if we can focus on Jesus. If we can be tethered to Jesus. So what happens next? Joseph makes these interpretations and those interpretations come true. The cupbearer is restored. The baker is executed. But what does Joseph say? Remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me. But the cupbearer forgets Joseph and he stays in prison. And then two years, two years later, Pharaoh has a dream that none of his magicians, none of his diviners can interpret. And we find the cupbearer speaking to Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41, verses 9 through 6. It says this, Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I remember my faults. Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief baker in custody of the captain of the guards. He and I had dreams on the same night. Each dream had its own meaning. Now, a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain of the guards, was with us there. We told him our dreams. He interpreted our dreams for us, and each had its own interpretation. It turned out just the way he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and they quickly brought him from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, and went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. Joseph responded, I am not able to. It is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. The question that I want to ask is, what have people heard about us? Now, this can be a really tough question because we have a tendency to get a little tricky when it comes to letting people only see the best parts of us. But eventually that facade wears off and people see us for who we are. So if someone had to describe you, if people had to describe you to others, how would they do that? If people had to describe me to others, how would they do that? I think that's a really important question. Now, we're not trying to put our identity into the human perception of others. Like People have broken perceptions, so we're not putting all of our identity in how people see us because that can be really, really dangerous. However, my prayer about all of us, our family, our friends, our church, our, our, the young adults in ministry, us as individuals, is that in some way Jesus is a huge part of identifying us to others. That it's not, hey, he's here's Evan, and he's extroverted, and he's loud, and sometimes he's obnoxious, and he has an opinion about everything. And oh yeah, also he loves Jesus. I want Jesus to be the anchor, right? I want that to be a primary identifier of who I am, not even because of my position, not because I'm a pastor, but because I love Jesus. I want that to be what people say. Oh man, Evan, he loves Jesus so much. And also he's extroverted and annoying and has an opinion about everything. We need to understand that we're building a story and we're building a perception. And it needs to be one that's built on authenticity and be real and not, not any kind of facade. But we have to understand that people are watching and they're going to describe us to other people. And we do the same thing about others. How are people describing us to others? I worked in a restaurant for a really long time. And uh, I was a bartender for the, for the majority of it. And I was in the bar. And on each side of the bar, there was these two side stations where people picked up their drinks for their tables. And those two servers were waiting for their drinks. And one was just going through it. And she literally said to this other lady, she goes, I just need prayer. I just need someone to pray for me. And I was like, this, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity. Like they know that I love Jesus. They know this. And like, they're looking at me making their drinks. And the other server goes, we got to go find Susan. 
Susan, man, she is always talking to God. Whenever I think about Susan, I think about how she's always talking to God. Was I a little bit offended? Yes. (laughs) Were they right to find Susan? Absolutely. Because when I heard them say that, I thought about Susan and I was like, man, Susan is always talking to God. You see, one of the identifiers of her was that she was in communion with Jesus on a regular basis. For us, we have to understand that through relationship and experience, we're building that story. What have people heard about us? Pharaoh says, I've heard it said about you, that God is with you. I've heard it said about you, that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph immediately says, I am not able to, but God can. So a second question is this, is how willing are we to redirect glory? As we think through the idea of what people say about us, it's just as important to think about how we react to what they're saying. I love that Joseph, in front of the most powerful man in arguably the entire known world, does not elevate himself, but defers the glory to God. He redirects the glory to God. How willing are we to do just that? Because it feels good to be thought of highly, doesn't it? Man, when, when think people think you're awesome, it feels awesome. When people are like, yeah, you're great. It feels great. But as we mature in our faith with Jesus, a marker of that maturity is to realize that we are nothing without the one who created us. We are nothing without the one who created us. Joseph, after being refined by the trials of life, the the, the mountaintops and the valleys and all of the things that was going on, he understood that as well as anyone, that when given the opportunity to elevate himself, he redirects glory to God, understanding that God has been with him through everything and there was a reason for what he has gone through. So, standing in front of Pharaoh, he interprets his dream. And he says this, what your dream means is that there's going to be seven years of plenty. There's going to be seven years of plenty. You need to build up storehouses because after that seven years of plenty, there's going to be a seven-year famine. And it's not just going to affect Egypt. It's going to affect the world. And if you become someone who, who prepares well for this, who has storehouses full of grain, what it means is that you're going to be able to provide food for your country, but you're also going to be able to provide food for the surrounding world. Like This is going to make you a superpower because you have prepared so well for this. And what we find is Pharaoh talking back to Joseph after the interpretation in Genesis chapter 41, verse 33, and then again in 41, verse 33 through, uh, verses 37 through 39. Joseph says to Pharaoh, so now, because the seven year of plenty and seven year of famine is coming. So now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Pharaoh responds in verses 37 through 39. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And he said to them, can we find anyone like this, this man who has God's spirit in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are. The next point is this, because God, because God. Pharaoh says, because God's spirit is within you, because God's spirit is within you, because God has made all this known to you, who is more wise and discerning than you? If you have the spirit of God in you and you're able to know that this is coming, who better to be in that position than the one who has direct access to God? Not because you're amazing, but because God has deemed you his vessel. Bob Goff, uh, this incredible author says this, we are the means, we're the method, the object, and the delivery vehicles. God can use anyone for sure. If you can shred on a fender or one best personality, you're not necessarily disqualified. 
It just doesn't make you more qualified. You see, God usually chooses ordinary people like us to get things done. Because God, we are able. Because God, we are qualified. Because God, we are called. Not by our own strength, not by our own wisdom, not by our own might, not by our own skill, but because God, because God's spirit is within us, because God has made things known to us. That is why we are going to have the opportunity to step into the calling that God has placed on our lives. The story goes on to say this in chapter 41, verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout the land of Egypt. The important part is this this beginning. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king. At the beginning of the story, in part one of the series, we saw that Joseph was 17. That means 13. 15 years have passed between being sold into slavery and being appointed by Pharaoh. So the next point is this, in due time, in due time. I just want this to serve as a reminder to myself and serve as a reminder to you that, that some things take time. Some things take trial. Some, te- some things take success and failure. 13 years passed and Joseph could have been so jaded and so frustrated, but he continued to be faithful and 13 years passed. And now he was in charge of Egypt that he's second in the command, second in command. The only person who has any power more than him is Pharaoh himself. No matter what we've been waiting on, no matter what we've been waiting on, remember that Jesus is right there with us, orchestrating his timing, not being handcuffed by ours. And thank God for that, right? That he is orchestrating in his timing. He's not submitted to ours. We need to be submitted to his. And if we do that, we'll start to see things happen. And I pray that it's not 13 years until you get that thing that you feel like you've been called to. But it might be. And that's okay as long as you stay faithful. The last passage we're going to look at, verses 50 through 52 says this, two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine arrived. A seneth daughter of Potiphar, a priest at On, bore them to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, God has made me forget all my hardship and my whole family. And the second son he named Ephraim and said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The last point is this, fruitfulness is possible in all seasons. Fruitfulness is possible in all seasons. One of the things that I admire the most about Joseph is that he is intentionally looking at how to be fruitful no matter what situation he was in. I think it can be really easy for me personally to see good seasons as a one where I'm going to see fruit. And, and sometimes that's true, right? In good seasons where things seem to be clicking, you see the fruit, but it is in the tough seasons where you had to till the soil and plant the seed. If I look back on my life, it is typically the harder seasons where there was a lot of tilling of soil and a lot of planting of seeds where the most growth happened. And it's because of that season that I was able to harvest any fruit in my life. And the, the, the truth is that that's true of all of us, that the hard seasons are awful, often the ones where we're going to see the most growth. And we're going to look back and we're going to go, man, that sucked. <laughs> that was hard. That was really difficult. But that's where I grew. That's where I learned. And that's where I was able to build the appreciation for when I got to harvest the fruit of my life. When you look at the arc of Joseph's story, it would have been really easy for him to get stuck on the comfortable plateaus or in the painful valleys. Instead, he kept being faithful right where he was. Faithfulness is what produces fruitfulness. 
Faithfulness is what produces fruitfulness. We must do whatever we can to become followers of Jesus that are faithful to who God has called us to be, no matter what the season, knowing that fruitfulness is possible in all seasons. And if we know that, if we're faithful, we get to watch God produce. We get to watch God cultivate. We get to watch God grow like only he can do. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.